Let's open our Bibles this morning to a small portion of uh, chapter 12 of the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 12 of the Gospel of Luke. Verses 16. And he told them a parable, Jesus, saying, The land of a certain rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared. That ends our reading. We should work hard for the supply of our current necessities. Then we should trust God for the future as we plunge ourselves into his service. I believe this is life at its best. First God. Then we can work as hard as we want. If we give God the preeminence in our lives. But this man didn't do that. And the Bible says, For what is a man? Or what is a man, what does he profit if he gains the whole world and loses himself? This man lost himself. And if we ask this man before he died, what are you living for? What do you think his answer would be? Mr. Rich Man, I'm not against anybody who is rich. In fact, the Lord prospers those who honor him. So, God gives. There were so many rich men in the Bible. And uh, I'm not against prosperity. God prospers people. And God gives success to his people, to these people who honor him. But if you ask this man, what are you living for? He said, I'm living to multiply what I have. And I will always sit down at every night at the end of the day, say, hey, eat, drink, and be merry. This is what he lived for. That man lived for himself. Isaac Singer once wrote, Life is God's novel. Let him write it. Disraeli, I studied that when I was in college, once said, life is too short to be little. We need to realize that the precious gift of God, the gift of life, is freely given by the Almighty who said, I have come to give them life and give them more abundantly. As we see with this 
man that we read about. Life was too short for him, wasn't it? And if you notice through the news, through the media, the television, radios, newspapers, so many times we hear about someone died at an early age. And we say, wow, I did not expect this person to die. I heard about a young man who was 31 years old, and he had a heart attack. I said, impossible to have a heart attack at 31. Yes, he had a heart attack and died. Life is short, regardless. We just celebrated Christmas. I said, just celebrate Christmas, like four, four months ago. What is it now? We're looking ahead for summer. Days are passing by. And that makes life shorter for each and every one. No matter how, you, how long you live, life is short. The Bible says, what is your life? It's just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Let's stop and think a little bit. How long is our lives? Or how short, if you will, please. Each one of us, I'm sure, if we ask, how, how long do you want to live? Say, hey, I want to live, I don't want to die. That would be the answer. I want the Lord to come and take me to be with Him. That's me. Are you with me here? I would like to say, I'm saying that. So don't worry, I'm not putting you on the spot. We don't like to die. We hate death. Death is an enemy. And so many times, death makes life shorter than expected. And I am not a gloom and doom guy. I am a very positive person. And I wish the Lord comes in our time. I wish He comes today. And forget everything else. Forget the fishing trip that Turhan is preparing himself for it. And I am encouraging him and encourage the boys because I love to eat fish. And I like everyone to have a good time. But forget those. Forget your plans. Even Rick Punzo is going to say, Adel, wait a minute, give me two more weeks. <laughs> Let me get married first. No. You live forever in his presence up there with the Lord. I tell you one thing. This is our wish. This is my dream. The Lord will come. And will come soon to take us to be with him. The only question and that I will ask and you ask yourself, am I ready? Am I ready? Every night before you go to bed, make it a, make it a point. Say, Lord, should you come when I fall asleep, I'm ready. Can you say that? If you can say that, wonderful. But if you go to bed and say, Lord... Give me one more time. I want to close this deal. I want to finish this. I have a deal that brings me $20,000 in two months. Wait on that. That is not. The Lord, you know, don't, doesn't answer these things. The Lord wants you to be ready. Any moment, any time. Because the trumpet might sound any moment. And guess what? And I am ready to, be, to go and be with the Lord. Are you ready with me? I hope he comes now. He'll save me 20 more minutes of preaching. (laughs) 
realizing that our life is short, should challenge our hearts to use the little time we have, folks, more wisely and for eternal good. Let's take time, first and foremost, to number our days. By asking ourselves, what do I want to see happen in my life before I die or before I meet you in the air? What do I want to see happen in my life? What step, another question, what step could I take toward the purpose, that purpose today? What's your purpose? Each one of us lives for a purpose. You cannot live a purposeless life. You have a purpose. Each one has an agenda. We call it an agenda, okay? You have a program. You, you people who are working for corporations, you have to have a five-year program. A five-year plan and a ten-year plan. I've been there, done that. And any plan I put, I didn't believe in. Don't tell my manager, I'm, I'm done now. I'm done. I did not believe in any plan. I tell you that before God. I did not believe in any plan I put in my corporation. Because my heart was not there. I worked hard because the plan, the only plan that works is the plan that God writes for you. But you have plans. Where's your purpose today? Where's your life today? And the plan that you have, the program that you have, that five-year plan or the ten-year plan, that reminds me... uh, I used to have a friend. He's uh, my brother-in-law. So I met him a long time ago, and I was talking to him. He told me, at the age of 40, I want to be a millionaire. I said, well, God bless you. This is great. I can't say that because I don't know where God is going to take me when I get to be 40. He's now over 70 years old. He didn't make his first million yet. You understand? You can put plans Unless God blesses your plans, your plans are zero. Only God's plan works. And trust me on that. Only God's plans works in your life. So whenever you say, say, Lord, if you will please, my plans are in your hands. You can put a plan. But if God doesn't bless it, it's not a go. Only it is a go if he blesses it. Oh, yes. And it does not matter how long we live. It doesn't matter how long we live. We need to settle this fact in our minds. Whether you live to be 80, whether you live to be 40, whatever God gives you, the days he gives you, you have to settle this fact in your mind that we will live forever. Life doesn't end up here. Even if we die. Even if it's short here, but you live forever. The only question, where and with whom are you going to spend it? Those people who commit suicide, they think they've ended it. Done. But they open their eyes somewhere else, right? And they open their eyes and say, hey, now life begins again. 
or continues whatever, whichever you look at it. So, let's take time, look at our lives this morning. What am I living for? God gave us. He distinguished us as human beings from any other being he created. He gave us reasoning. He gave us creativity. He gave us morality. He gave us understanding. That should help us make choices in life. And it's ironic that people spend so much time to secure their lives here on earth. Planning and gathering, building, expanding, and spend little or no thought what comes afterwards. They are driven by greed. Do you see greed nowadays? Do you see greed? Driven by selfishness. We see it more and more as the days get shorter and shorter. They think they are going to live forever. Knowing that our lifespan is only about 80 years, according to the Bible, what kind of purpose, again, are we living for? Where's your heart? Where's my heart? And the Lord gives us a parable about this rich man. And you know what he kept saying, if you noticed? I circled how many times he said, my goods and I and I. I do. Since I have, I will tear. I will put my grain. I will put my goods. I will build my warehouses. Everything is I And everything is mine. And he forgot who gave him all this. And he forgot that God can take away your life. And nothing is yours in this life. Do you know whatever we have belongs to God? Do you realize that we are only custodians, if you will please? We should live a life that honors God. And plans That pleases God. And let God direct our lives. And have everything under his own direction. David realized that gathering riches and accomplishing worldly conquests. You know, he was a great warrior. And a great king. And he said, but that makes no difference compared to eternity. He was aware about his life. And before God. And the only hope for this short life, for you and for me, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that? The only hope that we have in this life is the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what David said, this is in the Amplified Bible. He says, Psalm 39, verse 4. Lord, help me to realize how brief my time on earth will be. Help me to know that I am here for but a moment. And then when he realizes that, he says, Oh, my hope is in thee. No matter how 
Long we live. Life is too short. And the question that I throw in your face this morning, how are you living it? Are you busy? Like this man? Gathering, adding, building, and planning. Apart from God. And the Lord said tonight, you're gone. To whom are you going to leave all this? Whatever you have, I advise you this morning, spend it for eternity. All the gifts that God has given you, use it for his own glory. All the knowledge that God has granted you. Use it to bring people to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Live with that purpose. Joshua had a purpose. Didn't he? He was a great warrior. But he says, my only purpose. And listen to him. He says, as for me and my family, we shall what? Serve the Lord. Was, was that a good purpose for Joshua? When he left this world, he left it with integrity. When he needed to uh, live somewhere. He was the one who was responsible to divide the land of Israel to all the 12 tribes. And you know what? He divided it and he gave them choices to choose whatever he want. And he left himself till the end. He ended up on a hill country. The women uh, listened to Sylvia when she taught that. It was a rocky place, hill country. But he says, if this is my lot, I want it because I'm not going to live here for good. My home is in heaven. As for me and my family, we shall serve the Lord. Do you want to live this way? What Paul said. What did he say? This is a man of the Old Testament or the New Testament. What did he say? For me to live what? Enough. Stop there. For me to live is Christ. I have been crucified, right? With Christ. Yet, I live not I, but who lives? But Jesus lives in me. Do you have that purpose in your life? Do you have that purpose to show the world Jesus? Do you have that purpose wherever you are? At school? At work? At church? Anywhere you are. When you leave the presence of the people you are working with, they will say, this is a man I like to do business with. This is a student I like to sit uh, along with him. And this is a person that I would like to have as a friend. When you sign a contract, when you finish making a deal, they will say, hey, sir, it's wonderful. It's good to deal with you. Will they shake your hands? 
Do you get that repeat business from people? Because they saw Jesus Christ in you. That's exactly what he meant here. I live, not I. I don't want them to see Paul. I want them to see Jesus Christ. That's life at its best. When Daniel lived in those old days, and he defied the king and the kingdom. Why? Because he has decided, put in his heart, it says, determined in his heart, that not to defile himself by this world. We are called this morning to live a life worthy of our calling. What are you living for? Life is short. Yes, don't waste it, please. And ask yourself this question, what is the purpose of my living? And you answer that. You answer that. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, the Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Right? You know this verse. This is a simple message. It shouldn't go over your head. If it went to my heart, it has to go to your heart. And I pray through the Holy Spirit. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things shall be added unto you. God first. That's life at its best. How do you want me, Lord, to live it? Oh, yes. You know, we have something that we forget about. We have something in us that works against us. And it's the heart. You agree? Do you agree? Our hearts, they doesn't work with us. It's always against us. It's the heart that takes us away. And this is why. The Bible says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. It all depends, folks, on the condition of our heart. The kind of heart you develop during the years of your life will determine your eternal destiny. Do you get that? The kind of heart you develop during the years of your life will determine your destiny. Will determine where you're going to end your life. Ask yourself then this question. Where is my life today? Hmm. How am I living? When I was studying this, I came upon a paragraph written by Vernon McGee. Who knows about Vernon McGee? Amen. I like this man. He says, he's the, where the rubber meets the road. And if he is a little bit abrupt in his description of humanity and sometimes Christians, it's not me, it's his word. And I'm quoting him. So please bear with me. He comments on this subject. How are we living today? Christians, it's us. How are we living today? And he says this. Is your thinking 
slipshod thinking. Slipshod thinking. Are you living a beauty parlor religion? These are not my words. Perhaps you are settling for bubble bath salvation instead of being plunged beneath the crimson flow that washes you white as snow. Do you have a mouthwash conversion instead of living as a new creation in Christ? Harsh words, but we need to hear them. Do you wear a toothpaste smile on your face instead of the joy of the Lord in your heart? There are some people, I'd like to comment on this. It hit me. There are some people, you see, wherever you see her, I'm great. I remember a lady I met in my life and she said, how are you? I am great. She was never great, in my opinion. I have an opinion, you know. Smiling in your face, but the heart is not right with God. That's what he means. It hit me. Do you wear a toothpaste smile on your face instead of the joy of the Lord in your heart? How's your conversation? Is your testimony a talcum powder testimony rather than one saturated with the fragrance of Christ? I'm sure Lorraine is happy with that, but Vernon McGee is her favorite. Did you have lipstick redemption instead of the precious blood of Christ? How are you living? Are we living a facade, young people? I'm speaking to the church. I'm speaking to ourselves. Are you living the glamour of Hollywood instead of the glory of the holiness of God? Then, if these words hit you, he says, fall before him and rise above the sham of a life you are living. Live as a son of God. We're challenged today. How are we living? It's a short life. I'm not saying you're going to die tomorrow, God forbid. But you know what? Who decides on that? I don't decide. I might die today. I don't decide. But if since we have a life, since we're living, let's live as a children of God. That's the challenge. And as a child of God, I should live, I should be holy. I should honor God in my life. Everything I do, people should say, he is a different person. And I have to say this with all humbleness. And may God humble these two men I'm going to talk about this morning. Karen came to me last week and she said, Adel, people at Kaiser are coming to me and telling me that Jeff and Rick are totally different young men than the men we have here at Kaiser. And I say they have more than that. They have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We have Mike there too. And may God give you, may God give you this testimony all the time. You are totally different people. We shall not bow our knees to any other God except our God. Go live and honor God, young men, and young men, whatever you do. And that's life at its best. We're challenged. 
will Hewton pen this little poem. In all my days be glorified, Lord Jesus. In all my ways guide me with thine own eye. Just when and as thou wilt, use me, Lord Jesus, and then for me, tis Christ to live or die. An unknown person wrote this, not how did he die, but how did he live. Not what he did gain, but what did he give. These are the merits to measure the worth of a man as man, regardless of birth. Not what was his station, but had he a heart? And how did he play his God-given part? What's the purpose? Are you living for Christ? Are we living to honor him? Are we living that one day when we go through the portals of heaven, we stand before him, he says, well done. I want to hear this. I want to hear this when I stand before him. He says, well done. I want to live one life. The life I live with you in this church and with my wife. Work. School. In my construction business. In every other business that I see it here. I want to live one life. I want to have the presence of Christ with me any moment in my life. Can you say that? And this is life at its best. The story is told of Gordon Maxwell, missionary to India, that when he asked a Hindu scholar to teach him the language, the Hindu replied, No, my friend, I will not teach you my language. You would make me a Christian. Wait a minute, it goes on a little bit further. Gordon Maxwell replied, you must understand me. I am simply asking you to teach me your language. Again, the Hindu responded, no, my friend. I will not teach you. No man can live with you and not become a Christian. Let's bow our heads. No one can live with you and not become a Christian. Let's examine ourselves. Am I living for Christ truly? Is my life a life that brings honor to his name? When people leave my presence, will they say, what a great lady she is. What a great guy. What a wonderful student. Just ask yourself this question before we leave. And make a decision. And I hope the decision will be, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to honor you. I don't want to live anymore for myself. I want to build for the kingdom. And I want to See, people 
getting saved because of my attitude and of my life. Our Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity of meditating on your word and sharing it with the family of God. We thank you that it is a privilege to be in your presence. Help each and every one of us to live with a purpose, a purpose of lifting you up high, glorifying your name, and bringing souls to the kingdom of God. And as we say our prayers today, as we do our decisions, and as we make commitments, may whatever we do bring you glory. Make you proud of us. Should you come today or later on in our lives, or should we cross that river, we want you to be proud of us. Bless each and every one and dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. The meeting is over. God bless you and be with you. And let's go out and live a life worthy of our calling.